Well, it's good to see Bruce and Phyllis here with us today. And they just jumped right on in here. And Bruce is out there cleaning up the parking lot and back in there helping us out with ushering. And Phyllis, they all came out. We had dinner together on Thursday before practice and she was kind of hanging out there in the seats. So she got invited up. She just jumped right in there on the stage. We appreciate that. that. And we had a good book review. For uh, Bruce and Phyllis, of course, they joined us down at uh, down in Florida all the time on the on the Facebook, but it's good to have them, have them here. Would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14? We're going a little bit out of order on this, but we want to take a look at the gift of prophecy here this morning because of all the gifts that are in the Word of God, this is the one that Paul says, Beloved, I desire that above all things you what? Prophesy. And this scares people. <laughs> Either... You have two pitfalls in this. Either it doesn't scare you at all, and you jump in, you do stuff in the area of prophecy that's um, not really prophecy, or it does scare you, and you shut up. <laughs> we got to get somewhere in the middle there. we got, we got to have a respect for the gift, but understand that if we don't use the gift, walk in the gift, exercise the gift, it isn't going to benefit anybody. In 1 Corinthians... There's a lot in here, and I, I may have more than we can get into here today. So, you'll have to come back next week. Bruce and Phyllis have to start booking that flight now. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially to that you may prophesy. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. A lot of Christians go through their Christian walk and never desire these things. They're okay with not having them. But yet, he's, he's exhorted us here, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Of all the things to desire in the, in the gifts, this is the one, he says, that should stand out for you. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. We'll talk about tongues and interpretation down the road, just not today. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now he's being, meaning greater here. As far as your, uh, what you're adding to the church. Not that you personally are, are greater. Uh, just because you walk in to get the prophecy doesn't mean that you are higher or lower. Your walk of love will do more for that. But what you bring as far as benefit to the church is higher. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. See, these are two gifts we ought to be operating in. And when we talk about tongues, we'll talk about more of the places where that goes. Of course, there's different types of, of uh, tongues and not all of it's made for public. But he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now the word prophecy means to flow forth or to bubble up like a fountain. It is a compound word and when these words are brought together it means to speak forth the mind or message of God in any particular situation. I didn't write that in your outline. You can write it down if you want to. But to speak forth the mind 
or message of God in a particular situation. That situation may be something that's going on in the world, something that's going on in a church, something that's going on in the lives of people. That situation may be something that's going on in the life of an individual. But you are to get the mind of God on the thing and then speak it out. It doesn't mean that the Spirit of God takes possession of you and you can't control it and all of a sudden words just start coming out of your mouth. That is not what prophecy is. Now, don't mistake the gift of prophecy for the office. What Paul is wanting everyone to do is to operate in the gift of prophecy, not the office of prophecy or the office of a prophet. But it gives three things here. And maybe one of these weeks, maybe next week, we'll go through and we'll break these down into Greek. But the Greek makes... I, I was having a hard time making it simple. And I don't want to make this complicated. So generally when something's not as simple as it should be, it's because your understanding isn't there. So I want to get my understanding up a little higher before I try to, to come on out. But basically, these three Greek words that are tra- translated here, exhortation, edification, and comfort, may not mean exactly what we think they mean when we see them in the English, but if we take these three English words together, we are coming out with the meaning of what the three Greek words have together. Does that make sense to you? So I just gave you the English definition here. Edification means the act of edifying, which is to instruct and improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge. Another definition is to instruct or benefit, especially morally or spiritually, or uplift. That's edification. That's one of the roles that prophecy will have. It is to edify, to to instruct to improve, to build up. The second one, exhortation, means to urge, advise, or caution earnestly, admonish urgently. There's a there's an exhortation is there. Maybe it's to stop something. Maybe it's to start something. Maybe it's to go in, uh, 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 do, do something in particular. Maybe something the Spirit of God has been witnessing. You need to move into this area. And... Uh, Somebody may come up and confirm that with you in, in what you what you knew. But understand, you don't get direction from prophecy. Direction comes from the Spirit of God. Don't take direction any other way. Prophecy will come in and confirm that or stir you up to go after a thing. Third is comfort, to soothe, console, or reassure, to bring cheer to, to give strength and hope, to ease the grief or trouble of. These are just the English definitions. But overall, three of these come pretty close to what the Greek meaning of these are. We've told you this before, but the simple gift of prophecy does not contain revelation. The simple gift of prophecy is not there to reveal things that are coming, to reveal things that had happened. That is another area. The simple gift of prophecy is exactly what Paul said here. It is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Don't feel that when you get into the area to operate in the gift of prophecy that you have to uh, tap into something that had gone on in their life. Or that you have to be able to predict something that's going to happen in their life. 
That's not the simple gift of prophecy. Paul's not asking everyone to operate in that. But he is asking you to operate in words that are for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when you get into a situation, you get the mind of God on that situation and you speak that thing that God has shown you about His mind, about His thoughts, about where He is on this particular thing. Because the person you're speaking to is either having a hard time hearing it, a hard time receiving it, or somehow there's a block. And so God has shared it with you so that you can help them over that block. It's important enough that Paul wants the whole church to be operating in these things. Now, we've told you this before, but prophecy in the Old Testament is mostly foretelling. It's predicting things that were going to come about. In the New Testament, it's mostly foretelling. It's proclaiming things. Now, let's go on here in 1 Corinthians. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, by prophesying, or teaching? If I come to you speaking with tongues, in other words, a language you don't understand, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Now, we've made note to you on this before, not all teaching is prophecy, but it may contain it. Sometimes somebody gets up and teaches, there's some prophecy involved there. But it doesn't mean that all teaching is prophecy. It just it sometimes may contain it. You may be, of course you'll be exhorted in uh, most, most teaching that goes on, edified, comforted. But beside that, there's, a, there's an aspect that you can tap into in teaching that you can get the mind of God on the situation that He wants to reveal and you just, you can speak that out. I uh, used this example before, but a rich man has money, but not all people who have money are rich. So, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Let's go on here in verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? Simply, take a, take a three-year-old who's not been taught. I understand there's some three-year-olds out there that can be pretty good. But um, take an average three-year-old who hasn't been taught on the piano and put them down at the piano and they will play some things. But it's not necessarily anything that you would understand. It's not something that could be replicated. They're just kind of banging on some keys because they're there. I mean, you know, you put a little kid in front of a keyboard, they just want to bang on the keys. But what we need is a distinction in the sounds. Now, I've, I've told you this before, but the violin is probably one of my favorite instruments. I love listening to violin. Violin concertos are up there with my, uh, some of my top things to listen to. Love violin concertos. You know, you have the rest of the orchestra in the background on those, but, oh, I can just sit on back and just listen to a, to a violin concerto. You know, I, sometimes I talk to some people in the running community, and they're out there and they're, they're running to these modern songs and stuff like that. And if I'm not listening to somebody teaching, then I'll probably have on a classical piece of music. You, you run the classical? Yeah, oh yeah, that's exciting stuff. I mean, it's, not everybody feels that way, I understand. But what makes the violin so good is a person who plays it 
and can make the distinction between the notes. Have you ever heard somebody play it and they can't quite get the distinction between the notes and they kind of slide into the note? You notice that more on a violin than anything else. They just kind of, they were at this note and they just kind of slid over to the other. But somebody who knows how to play it, they make a distinction between this note and this note and, and they can just, they can just go. And there's some very good violin players out there. I could name you some that I know. Uh, you probably know some uh, yourself. And oh, they can play. And the higher you get on that violin, the harder it is to make those distinctions. But, oh, the sound. The sound that it makes. It's just, oh, it's so good. But then somebody comes along who doesn't know how to play the violin. And it just is, it screeches. And it, it's no longer soothing. In fact, it hurts. We have to have that distinction that's there. We, we need to know the, the, the chords, that they, they mean something. And this is the same way with prophecy. There needs to be a distinction. There needs to be an understanding. For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? Who will do that? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. If you don't pray that you interpret, you won't benefit the congregation. You just gave a tongue. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in a church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So he talks about all the languages that are in the world. And there's a lot of languages that are out there. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's Chinese. I could hear somebody speaking Chinese. And I could understand that's probably Chinese or that's probably Japanese or that's one of those Oriental languages, but I have no idea what they're saying. I can't make the distinction. Now, they can and the person they're talking to can because it's something that they understand. And so when they communicate, they're communicating something and, oh yeah, yeah, you can see that there's, there's understanding there. But I, I'm not benefited from that. This is what God is saying. If you're going to be in a church, in a church setting, you need to speak words that people understand because the goal is for them to be benefited. If there's no benefit, then they won't be helped. Now, this might raise some questions for you about where tongues fits and, and we'll get to that. 
But we want to hit prophecy first because this is the area where you're supposed to be operating and getting out there and doing some stuff. And, um, and looking for opportunities. So we want to get you, get you caught up on this. But in a church, we need to make words that are understood. Now I've heard this, I don't know how many decades I've heard this. You may have heard it too. And it's not terminology that we use around here. And I thank God we don't have musicians to go this, this direction. But uh, a lot of times people in charismatic churches were talking about prophesying with their instruments. You ever heard that term? You're going to prophesy with your instrument. Now, I don't understand piano. <laughs> I don't know about any of you. I don't understand piano. I, I enjoy the piano, but I don't understand it. I don't understand trumpet. Now, if I understand that a certain trumpet sound means get up, then when they make that trumpet sound, I understand that to mean get up. But uh, I don't understand that from the trumpet. I understand that from the people who taught me in English. When you hear this, that means get up. Now, I don't want to say that you can't do anything by the Spirit on your instrument. But it's not prophecy. You can be inspired by the Spirit to play some things. But it's not prophecy. Because prophecy has to be understood. So you can almost look at it this way. If you're going to so-called prophesy in your instrument, it's like speaking in tongues. Someone needs to interpret. How do they interpret? They put words to the, to the song. So somebody may come in and they may, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, play some music, but then somebody else by inspiration would have words to go with that music. Now I understand it. And now it blesses me. So see, there's a role for that, but it would just put the wrong term. By putting the wrong term on it, we downgrade what prophecy is. And we don't want to do that. We want to keep prophecy where, where it's at. Now, there's, there's a lot of temptation for the church to get into things that are not understood in a church setting. Because if no one understands it, no one can judge it. And that's why we like to walk in these, these areas. So if somebody gets up and they, they say, I'm going to give a tongue today, and I just stand up and give a tongue. I was in a church for a while, and they would have people do this. They would just stand up, and they would just, and you know, eh, get into a quiet part of the service. So-and-so is going to get up, and they're going to have an utterance. I know it. Here it comes. <laughs> and sure enough, so-and-so got up, had an utterance, and then sat back down again. Never interpreted. Just got up and always gave the utterance. Always bugged me. Why don't you pray to interpret? Do something that benefits the... And then somebody else would get up. And a lot of times, Brother Hagin would teach us this. He said, a lot of times what people do in tongues and interpretation is simply somebody got up in tongues and, and said something and then somebody else got up and prophesied. But the prophecy had nothing to do with the tongue. Now that can happen. But it, it as Paul's putting it, it's better off that you, you go right for the prophecy. But if you're going to come up and, and speak the tongue... And then the pray to give the interpretation. Now we'll get into tongues later on. I just you know it's all kind of jumbled together here. Just kind of want to want to work this out. We had a, my my wife had gone to to hear this particular speaker. I don't remember. I, I think I know his name, but I'm not sure, so I'm not going to say it. And the speaker was good. I enjoyed the the, the speaker. I only heard him a couple of times. Um, and he was in this particular church that. Um, when they were when they were there and he was he was teaching, there was a whole mess of people all around the church making noises. Not noises, not tongues, 
just noises. Grunts, groans, shouts, just all kinds of, just all kinds of noises. And I'm just sitting there, this is disturbing. Why is all this going on? And, um, this person had been at the church a number of times. We had a relationship with him. And so uh, I think it was one of the times I was there or one of the times I was not sure what, but I heard about it happening if I wasn't there. And he just uh, rebuked him. He just said, hush, or something like that. And, and, they, and they stopped doing what they were doing. And uh, he went on and, and did that. Now, see, that's wrong. But this particular church was taught that it was right and that it was spiritual. And so more people copied what other people were doing, not following the inspiration of the Spirit. Now, how do you know that's wrong? Oh, it's simple. Who had understanding of what was being grunted or groaned or, or whatever? There was no understanding on it. If there's no understanding, what purpose does it have in the church? Now, in that particular situation, what they were doing was they were distracting. They were pulling attention from the, where the anointing was. The anointing was on the, the, the person who was up there speaking. He was up there speaking. He, he had, there was an anointing of God on him. So different ones in the congregation would say stuff, well, your attention is drawn to this weird noise. And that wasn't good. Now, he, he did well to rebuke it. I, I, I like that. I, I heard that as I'm going to like this guy. <laughs> because that's, that's tough to do. Especially when people have the expectation that that's what you're supposed to do. And this is, this is spiritual. Um, if, now, some of those things they may have been doing, maybe God could inspire them at other times to, to do some of these things, but not in a group setting where it draws attention to you. You can do a lot of things inspired by the Spirit of God in private in your own prayer room that you won't necessarily do in church because it draws attention from what God is doing to you. And that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to draw attention to, to us. We want to draw attention to the things that God is doing. So he says, here, you know, it's, it's not going to help the church if you get up and give a tongue and nobody understands that. Now, again, there's a time for this. There's a time... For tongues, there's a time for things that people don't understand. When we get the tongues, just hang on to that, okay? We will get there. If I get, if I allow myself to get too distracted, I'm going to get off on this and then we're never going to get on our purpose. I want you to be able to walk in some of these things in prophecy. I want you to feel comfortable in doing this, knowing this is what God wants me to do. And so that when you're out there, you can operate in the area of prophecy. Because it's important. Now gifts are to get people's attention. God puts a gift down in the church just to get people's attention. He wants them to, hey, listen to this. The teaching and the preaching, things like that, that's to save them. That's to grow them. That's to develop them. But the gift will get, the, get their attention. Whatever the gift might be. It might be the gift of faith. It might be the gift of healing. That's going to get people's attention. If you've got somebody who is, who is going through some kind of a disease, sickness, injury... And the gift of healing operates and they get healed. How many of y'all know you got their attention? We have got their attention. That's what the gifts are going to do. They're going to get the attention. But they don't give anything lasting. You need other things to continue on. You can tell, I don't know, I can usually tell people who just grew up and just developed their spirit on gifts. And not, didn't get any found, firm foundation from the word. You can tell. Just the way they carry themselves. The way they face struggles. It's very different. So the gifts get your attention. And they're good. They're, they are here for a purpose. 
Just because they, they can't do everything doesn't mean that they shouldn't do, do anything. How many of y'all have some kitchen gases that are very unique? Every time I hear Ethel talk about her kitchen gadgets, I think of one that I, I had picked up when we were out there, and y'all know I love guacamole. Love guacamole. Well, I found this little kitchen gadget that has one function in the kitchen. It cannot do anything else. It can only do one thing, and that is knock the snot out of an avocado. Oh, man, it'll take care of an avocado in no time at all. It's got one little blade, and that little blade will take care of cutting it in half. It's got another another spot that takes care of getting that core out of there, and another spot that takes care of digging all that wonderful avocado out. This one little tool will do it all. But you can't use it to cut bread, spread butter, open an egg. It is totally useless for anything else. Now, that doesn't mean that that gift doesn't have any place in our kitchen. It's just not a prominent place. <laughs> but when you have an avocado <laughs> and you want to get it ready for the making of guacamole, this is, you go for that thing. It's, it's good. It wasn't cheap. I mean, it wasn't expensive. It was a cheap little thing. But uh, it does its job and it does it well. There's something about doing your job and doing it well, knowing what that job is. This, this is my job. This is what I do. Now, there's some examples of prophecy. Most of the descriptions of prophetic utterance in the New Testament, they contain some aspect of revelation. They're given by those who are generally in the office of a prophet. And so we look at the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament, and a lot of people who operate in the gift of prophecy try to pattern themselves after these things. That's why they get into trouble. Because you're patterning after the wrong thing. You're, you are gifted in the area of prophecy. You are not a prophet or someone who is to walk in that that particular office. Now, I don't want to, we'll, we'll hit Acts 21 some other time, but you can you go right back there and read it. But here's a, a prophet who came over to Paul and he prophesied some things that were going to happen to him. This is what's going to happen to the person who owns this belt. You know, we had props and everything. And he made this prophecy and it got people upset. The, the reason it got people upset is because when prophecy comes, it does not always come with interpretation. And so this prophecy was given, the person who owns this belt will be bound and uh, they prophesied some, some dire things. And they all love Paul. And they didn't want to see Paul go this direction. And they, no, no, Paul, don't go, don't go. And Paul says, hey, I'm not only willing to go and to be in prison, I'm willing to die. What's all this boohooing about? And so he's, uh, he goes on. See, they had the prophecy, but then they had the wrong interpretation. We, that can happen. Because prophecy does not always come with the interpretation. It sometimes is just here, this is what's going on. And that's where you rely on the teaching that you have, that God has given you, God has put in the word that you've got inside to take that prophecy and understand it through the things in the word of God. And you come out with a, with a right understanding. But there are some people, they'll hear a prophecy and boy, they get some weird stuff out of it. But we have to make sure that when we prophesy, that it can be understood. And, and when you do it, don't be irritating. Have you ever listened to some, some people? This is not necessarily what I mean by the irritating, but 
if God gives you a, a part of his mind, I was going to say a piece of his mind, but <laughs> has, has a wrong connotation there. But if God shares part of his mind with you on a particular subject, I've noticed this about some, some people just in the conversations that they have, whether they're sharing something about God or not. How many of you can, now don't raise your hand if you've ever done this. But have, how many times have you heard other people before they say what they're going to say, they qualify it. Some people overqualify it. In fact, by the time they're done qualifying, you're thinking, why in the world should I even listen to you? Right? They're coming out, they feel God has given them something. Now, I don't know if you'll agree with me. And I don't know if you understand the Word of God this way. And I'm not exactly sure that I always hear from God. And... Well, this, this may not be for you. But, you know, just in case it might be, I feel like, at least I think God is, sharing something with me. And, um, I'm just not gonna feel right if I don't tell it to you. So, you, and by the time they get done with all this stuff, you're like, will you just come out with it? Tell me what you want to tell me. You ever heard that people like that? Yeah, don't qualify, be careful qualifying yourself. If God gave you something, you don't need to qualify it. You don't need to do it. Go through the New Testament, you know, this week while you're home. Just go through the New Testament. Take a look at the prophecies. Take a look at the people who uttered what God gave them. Take a look at all the times that Jesus uttered what God gave them. How many times does Jesus qualify what he's saying? Can you think of a single time when Jesus says, well, you know, guys, this may not be for you. Well, guys, I'm not sure if I've heard God on this, but he doesn't do that, does he? Yeah. But somehow we, we got caught and we threw out one qualifier and then, well, you know, I need to be humble. And we find a second qualifier. We're, we're getting convicted I might be too prideful and we get a third qualifier. And pretty soon we've done so overqualified the thing that people are irritated by the time we get to the thing. If God gave you something, then just go up to Him and do, do like Jesus did. And you don't always have to announce it as being from God. How many times does Jesus say stuff and He doesn't say, this is from God? He just says stuff. But He does say, I don't say anything unless I heard my Father say it. So that means it came from God. But you don't hear Him going out there and says, guys, 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 listen. I think I heard from God on this. No, he comes out and he teaches. And even when people all walked away from the one teaching he had, he didn't question it. He didn't go out there and say, well, I guess I didn't hear from God on that. He just turned to the other guys and said, you guys going to go too? Now, Jesus was a prophet. And when he spoke for God, it generally contained some kind of revelation. Look at some of the words that he had for, for people. Nathaniel in John chapter 147. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in, indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. 
The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, he had a word of knowledge in there. He saw him under this, this tree. And that spoke greatly to him so that he was ready to believe that this is the Son of Man just because he saw him under the tree. Whew. That's some kind of a... That's some kind of a speaking right there. But you see, he had revelation in there. He also had revelation of what was coming in the future. Told him some things that would be happening. Peter in Matthew 16... Verse, verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he gets into some future stuff here. That's not the simple gift of prophecy. When James and John come around in Luke chapter 5, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So here he spoke some words of comfort because they were a little startled at uh, Jesus' words, getting them a whole mess of fish. He says to them, Do not be afraid. And those words comforted them. But he said, From now on you will catch men. And he went to the, to the future. When we get to John chapter 4, the woman at the well, a woman of Samaria, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, I'm sorry, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, if many Christians today would have made this statement, you know how it would have come out? Well, I don't want to be presumptive here. And I don't want to sound boastful. Um, but I, I hope you can understand this. And I just need to, to speak this to you. Maybe qualifying it the whole way on through. He doesn't qualify, does he? If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. He's, that's me. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Well, he's speaking things to her, but she's getting the wrong interpretation. She's interpreting this, I don't have to come to the well anymore. That's not what Jesus is saying. See, you, you can have something that's spiritually right, that's said correctly, and still understand it wrong. Can you say it any better than Jesus said it? Because he's going to say it as the Father said it. And she's still got it un- misunderstood. Don't ever, don't ever be too, too fretful. If you said something by the inspiration of God and other people got it wrong. Now, sometimes you go back to God and say, God, did I get it right? I may sometimes do that. God, did I, did I say that right? But you can say it right and people still can take the wrong meaning. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. All right, there we got some word of knowledge going on. That's not just simple gift of prophecy. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we, where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. At this point, His disciples came and they marveled that He talked with the woman. Yet no one said, Why do you, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, she left her water pot because she can make haste to get back to town without it. Carrying a water pot, it's going to be a whole lot longer. So she wanted to get back into town quick and she knew she's coming back and I'm bringing people. She went on back and she told all the men. Apparently, the women didn't like her. Mm-hmm. Told all the men. And got them interested and so they came on out. And they heard and a great revival had, had occurred. Don't ever say, well, I don't know anybody that I can invite. I don't know anybody I can bring out to church. I don't know anybody that I can, that I can um, witness to. Yeah you, yeah, you do. They're all around you. And understand this, the disciples had gone into this, this exact same town and they came back with just food. She goes back into the town, she brings back people. And which one was Jesus more interested in? He's interested in the people. They're trying to get him to eat. And he says, what? I have food that you know not of. He was more interested in the people they brought, that she brought, than the food his disciples brought. Now, before we get away today, I want to take a look at some of the things on functionalness. How are we supposed to function in this gift? Verse 26, if you jump down there to 1 Corinthians. How is it then, brethren, whether you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Number of things to note in this. First off, he says, "How is it then, brethren?" Speaking to the to the brethren. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm. They don't just get it in the service. Notice he says there, "Each of you has a psalm." Means you're coming with one. That means you can hear from God during the week. Receive something from God. And come prepared with it. You don't have to get just inspired at the moment. Well, worship was going on and the Spirit moved me. That may happen. I'm not trying to tell you that it never will happen. But it's interesting to note that the only one that Paul talks about here is the people who bring it with them. Now look at the, con- look at the, the overall what he's saying here. How is it then, brethren? He's asking this question. How can this be? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. So they're all coming with something. I got a teaching ready. Well, I got a psalm. Well, I got a tongue. Well, God revealed something to me. Well, I got a prophecy. They're all coming with stuff. Now, here's what you got to see about this. Does the person who got the tongue feel they heard from God? Does the person 
who got the revelation feel they heard from God. There's the person who got the psalm feel that they heard from God. Yeah. And they all think they heard from God that what they got is for this service. And Paul says, how can this be? How can it be that each of you comes in with something? So understand, I can get something that my spirit interprets is from God and my interpretation of it is it needs to go here. <laughs> and that may be wrong. Is what he is telling them. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three each in turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So we got to limit this. Now, there's a lot of reasons for it. First off, if God is going to give something, he's going to give it in small doses. Two, maybe three. Two seems to be the, the target. Sometimes, you know, you might want to go over that in three. It's not that three is the high and sometimes we go over that and go to four. It seems that two is the target and sometimes you go over that and you go to three. But you see, if, if we come in and everyone has a thought and this one's over here on this and this one's over here on this and this one's over here on this and then you get out of the church and somebody says, what happened? Man, I don't know. My <laughs> head's still spinning. I mean, we were over here, we were over here and there was this and there was that and there was this and, and oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> You have to keep things, keep things concise. You have to keep things on, on target. Sometimes I listen to the, some, to some teachers who teach and, um, you, you can't follow them. They're saying a lot of things and maybe a lot of those things are good things, but you, you can't make the connection between them all. And then you can't go home with anything. You gotta be able to make the connection. Something I, I learned, um, not necessarily from the, the preaching world, but from, from other places. Uh, uh, a phrase that has gone around a lot and been said, begin with the end in mind. So a lot of times when I'm getting ready for what we're going to do on Sunday or Wednesday, i got to know where are we going to end up. And then i got to know where we're going to start. See, a lot of times I find out where are we going to end up? What is the purpose? I can usually get that first. And then I begin to comb through in my mind scriptures, the, the narratives from the, from the Bible. Who did this? Who walked through this? See, so then I begin to get my starting point. And then once I have that, ah, yeah, this one over here. Now I know where we have to get. Now I know where we have to start. And then all we have to do is fill in the stuff in the middle. That's the same way you plan a trip. When you plan a trip, what do you, you got to do? In fact, if you go into Google, how many have a Google now? We didn't have that before when I was making playing trips, but we have that now. When you go into Google, what is the first thing that you have to put into Google if you're going to plan a trip? What is that? Your destination. Google does not care where you are. It cares where are you going. That's the first thing. After you do that, what's the next thing that Google will ask, ask you? Where, is, where are you starting from? And it has your home address in there. It's one of the default things. You can pick the home address if you want because maybe you're not starting from home. And so it allows you to, to do that. And then after that, then it plots it all out and then it gives you like three different ways. 
and then you can pick. You got this way, this way, or this way. And it gives you time for it. This way will take you an hour and a half. This way will take you an hour and 27 minutes. This way will take you an hour and 40. And of course, it always picks the faster way, even though the faster may, may cost you $10 in tolls. <laughs> right? I see that. I see $10 in tolls. It doesn't tell me how many tolls, but I, I can have an idea what the tolls are. $10 in tolls or spend three minutes more driving and go this way. No, I'm going three more minutes longer. I'm going this way. <laughs> I don't need to spend $10 in tolls just to get on out there. And, but you see, it's the same kind of a thing with God. If you're going to get something from God, you have got to know where you're going. You've got to know where you start. And I'll give you stuff about the middle. If you don't know where you're going and you don't know where you're starting, don't blame anyone else for not knowing either. Because you cannot communicate how you are, what God wants to say if you don't know what the end result of it is. Sometimes people just say, well, I don't know who this is for. I don't know what it means. I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe you shouldn't have been speaking to begin with. Uh, just because you got something from God doesn't mean it's ready. <laughs> sometimes it takes a little while to get it ready. God sometimes gives me something and I'm, hmm, hmm, yeah, mulling on that a little bit and chewing on getting it ready. I'm not ready with that yet. I'm going to be ready, but I'm not ready yet. Sometimes, you know, we, we uh, go off on something too soon. You got to wait. So some of those people who came with something, maybe they were getting something from God, but it wasn't time yet. God needed to get their attention, meditate on this for a little bit. I got some stuff to show this, to show you on this. Because it, it's tough to get on out there and say, well, God was showing me this, and you begin to share it. And then a week or two down the road, you get the rest of the revelation. Oh, now I get it. And all we want to do, well, I'm, I'm going to get back in front of church and tell them. Yeah, you get up in front of church. Hey, I heard that before. It didn't make sense to me when you said it before either. And they just tune you out. See, because you, you said it too soon. You weren't ready. It wasn't, it wasn't ripe yet. Going back to avocados. Those avocados may not be ripe. If they're not ripe, they won't make good guac guacamole. you got to wait until they're ripe. Verse uh, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. No one is forced to do anything in a spiritual application. No one is forced. God is not that. He does not possess people. He won't force you to give a tongue. He won't force you to give a prophecy. He won't force you to give an interpretation. There's something that you have to do on that. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God's not going to bring confusion out into the thing. In order for God not to bring confusion out into to it, you have to not be in confusion. you got to be clear. Make sure you have clarity on the thing. Oh God, I'm, I want to. Sh I, I think you want to share that, but I don't have clarity on that yet. I need to get full understanding. If it still seems complicated to you, you probably don't have clarity on it yet. Just get on back and mull over it some more. Get it clear. In First Corinthians twelve seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
when we're looking at a sitting, a setting in church, if God is going to give something to someone, it's for the profit of all. Sometimes people get something that's for the profit of them. I've heard some people share some things and all it was was to build up their ego or build themselves. Look who I am. Look what God did through me. That's, uh, that's not the, the profit, the benefit of others. So we have to know. Now in church, this is the most popular place that most people like to come in to, in to bring something. And there's a place for it. And we need to see these kind of things going on. If you feel that you came to church with something, you need to let somebody know. You know, we, that's, we've, we've done it here all the, the years that we've been here. If you get something from God, just give me the gist of it. I don't need to know word for word what it is, but give me the gist of it. Tell me what, about what it is so I know where to fit it. Put it in and fit it into place. And, um, and, and that helps us out to, to be able to place that. Or maybe it's, it's not for this week. Maybe it's for another week. But uh, just give me the, give us a gist of it. Because you may have something, God shared with you something, and people need to hear what that is. But not only is this going to happen in church, it will also happen outside of church. When Jesus was at the woman with the, at the well, that was outside of church, wasn't it? When he was talking to Nathaniel, that was outside of church. There's a whole lot of these gifts that are going to go on outside of church. And we could spend some time going through the New Testament. But if you went through the New Testament and looked at all the times the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, most of the time it's not in the synagogue. Most of the time it's outside in the streets. Your expectation needs to be at that point that I'm expecting God to minister to me when I'm walking through the grocery store. When I'm going through you brave ones that go through the Walmarts. There's some, there's some people that need help there. And God could give you a revelation to speak to them. But outside of church is another place. Sometimes it's going to happen in song. We're constantly uh, having our worship team practice and get ready to be hearing things and to be to be moving in the area that uh, they'll have things in song. You can do that as well. In prayer, when you are in prayer, when you are praying to God, do you know that the spirit of prophecy can come upon you then too? And you can begin to say some things. By the, not just in tongues, but you can say some things in English and you understand it. But prophecy is always spoken and it is always understood. It is always spoken and it is always understood. God wants you to understand what it is He wants you to say so that you can communicate to the person you're speaking to and they can understand. They, can, they, they need to understand it. They can't do anything with it if it doesn't make sense to them. They've got to know, how do we put this into practice? How do, we, how do we make this thing work? In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The grace that we have for that gift is going to be different. And upon, depending upon the gift, some of those gifts can bring about a lot of opposition. Some of those gifts can, can bring about things that you need grace for. But he said, he goes on, he said, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. That statement puzzled me for a long time. Prophesy according to our faith. 
So as I begin to meditate on this and, and ponder this, in the Word of God, we see faith demonstrated in things that are seen and things that are not seen. Which is Jesus the most impressed with? That which is not seen. Remember, he comes up to Thomas. Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are they who believe and have. So there is faith that you can have on stuff that is seen. There is faith you can have on stuff that is not seen. God wants us to get into the area where we have faith for what we don't yet see. I don't, I don't see what I'm believing for, but I believe I receive it. I don't, but other times, uh, I kind of want to, I want to see some stuff. I need to, I need to see some. Sometimes people even pray this. Father God, I've been believing for a while, but I need to see something. <laughs> Coming to the end of, of my faith, your faith will, will grow. Your faith will develop. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So this says that you can prophesy as your faith grows, your prophecy should grow. Well, if faith can be based on sight, then so can prophecy. Do you know that a lot of people will prophesy things based on some degree of what they see or what they know? Now, sometimes we just discount that. Well, you're only saying that because you know this about me. You ever thought that? I have. You're just saying that because you know this aspect of my life. Or you know that I'm going through this particular thing. That's why you're saying that. But you see, someone whose faith is not real, real high, to the, someone who's more on the level of Thomas. How many of y'all know Thomas is born again? Disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hand-picked by Jesus. <laughs> but his faith was not to where he could believe in what was unseen. Now, Jesus prophesied things that he didn't see physically. He saw it in the Spirit, but he didn't see it physically. And he just threw that out, no problem. We go into the Old Testament, we look at a lot of people like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, and they would prophesy things that they had, uh, maybe they had a vision of it, but it's not something they've seen in this natural realm. They had to have faith that what they saw was going to come about. Same thing with John in the New Testament when he wrote the book of Revelation. But sometimes people are going to have a, a word for you, a prophecy for you, and you're going to say, well, they're saying that because they know this part of my life. They know that I'm looking for this. They know that I need this. They know that I have this. They know that I'm going through this. And so they're speaking these things that way. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're going to do because they're prophesying according to their level of faith. Their level of faith, they need to see something. They need to know something. And so they get something from God. And if, if they were to give, be given something in their spirit, they were to come up and they would say something to Vanessa about something I have no idea that she's even into. Something, I don't even know that she's going through it. Well, see, if I'm higher in my level of faith walk, then maybe I can do that. Because I don't need to have that visual. Because I have that confidence. Well, I know God told this to me, so... Here's this word. But other times, I'm growing in that area. And so, uh, I can't just take something quite like that. I, I know this person is in this situation. And this word ministers to that situation. So I can see 
that I can speak, to, even though I don't know all these words, how they would benefit that person. I know that they're in this situation. See, I got a little bit of a visual there. That doesn't mean that you're no good. It just means you got to prophesy according to the level of your faith. Sometimes the enemy wants to try and get you out beyond your level of faith and get you prophesying stuff. And uh, you'll, you'll get this kind of a response when you see it. A person comes up to you and says, Thus says the Lord. And they begin to speak some words, not prophet, not predicting future things, just speaking things into your life. And you're thinking, uh, they may say afterwards, did that minister to you? You're thinking, no. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. That doesn't mean anything to me at all. Well, you just hang on to it because it will. Uh, maybe it won't. That person may have gone beyond their level of faith to try and step into something that other people are walking in. They feel pressured to do that. And the enemy came along and said, you need to prophesy like so-and-so does. And they're just trying to step out to there. If you feel like, well, I, I just don't feel like I can't prophesy over somebody unless I see something. So if you're in the Walmart and God gives you a word for somebody and it's a word to help spread joy into their life and you look at them and say, boy, they look sad. See, I can, I can buy into that. Because I need a certain level of stuff to see. They look sad. I could probably use this. And so then I'll go out there and I'll speak those things. Now, there's still a lot of faith involved because I don't know how they're going to receive all this other stuff that I have. I'm just, I'm looking and because of my visual, I can line this up. Can you see that? But the more I operate in that level, then I begin to, to be able to operate. I don't, I don't need to quite see that as much. And I can begin to walk out into where I don't need to see anything at all. I, just, I know God told me this. I know he told me for this person. And we're going up there and we, we still do it humbly. But I don't need that visual. Now, you don't always have to go up to somebody and say, thus says the Lord. In fact, I'd recommend not. <laughs> but if you need to, God tells you, no, say it this way. And sometimes he may tell you that. He may say, no, say it this way. They need to hear this. Get their attention. Then you go ahead and you say it that way. But otherwise, you can just go up to them and just say what God gave you. I have a verse of scripture for you. I feel the Spirit is impressing me to share this with you. Is it okay if I share this scripture with you? Well, yeah. And you begin to share this to them. And sometimes you'll see some things right off the bat. Their tears begin to come down their, their uh, face. And you just see, really see that this is ministering to them. Well, it ministers to you too because it means I hit it. I got it right. You feel good about that. I don't, it's not like I'm feeling prideful about it. I just feel good. I heard God. I did what God said. And it worked. It helped people. <laughs> you feel great to have been used in that way. And now you're more encouraged to go out there and to, to use it again. But I don't know if you've ever had this. Sometimes the Word of God will come to you and you look at the person and say, well, I can see that they're going through that. I can see that they're sad. It's not going to be a, a big thing that I go up and... No, you still go up there and you share it. You do what comes on the inside. Now, when we get into this Christmas part and we start handing out cards, we're going to be dependent on you to learn how to walk in the realm of the Spirit and be able to tap into these gifts. And then when you're talking to the people, you let those gifts come on through. Because what do the gifts do? They get your attention. Yeah. The other things fill in to, to give the uh, stability, give the foundation. 
But those gifts, they jump in, they get your attention. Don't try and go in above your level of faith. Stay with what, what God has, has given you, what God has told you about. Understand that there's lower and higher levels of prophecy. If you function at a, at a level that is too high, you and others might get hurt. You don't want to do that. Stay where you're at, at to be. Remember the Word of God says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. It doesn't say don't think highly of yourself, but don't think more than you ought to. You need to operate on a level where you're at. Now you may get a word from somebody who is on a lower level of faith and they're prophesying according to their faith and is down over here and they may give you the word and maybe you're used to the word of God just wowing you and it didn't wow you. It's alright. Did it minister to you? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was good. Well, let them know that. Let them know that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can, I can use a reminder of that verse of scripture or that particular thought uh, today. And they'll be encouraged. And as they get encouraged, they grow in their area of faith in this area. Because you don't grow in the area of faith for finances unless you believe God for finances. You don't believe, you don't uh, grow in the area of faith for healing until you believe God for healing. And you're not going to grow in the area of prophecy until you believe God for prophecy. You have to step out and believe for it. He said, earnestly desire, that means you've got to go out. How many of you earnestly desire a healing? Anybody have something in your body you earnestly desire? Yeah, you're pursuing it, right? How many have a financial need you earnestly desire to be, be see, uh, satisfied? Yeah, there's an earnest desire. Well, you're supposed to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, they will benefit other people, but they will also benefit you because nothing passes through you that doesn't bless your socks off too. <laughs> Thank God for, for that. I tell people all the time, you know, in some of the areas that, that I operate in, operate in as a teacher, um, I, I mean, you've heard me say this countless times over the years, and I'll keep saying it because I love it when people do it. Ask me your questions. How many times did I tell you that? Ask me, your, ask me questions. I love when you ask me questions. See, when you ask me a question that taps on the gift that God has put on me, and then I can tap into that gift for that question that you gave me, and then... I can tell you the answer can flow through. Sometimes it flows through instantly. Sometimes, you know, I'm going to go meditate on this for a little bit. It comes over to me. I get blessed by the answer too. Sometimes people have asked me questions I didn't even think to answer or to ask. I never thought of that question. But now they thought of it and I got blessed by the answer and they got blessed by the answer. These are good things. 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says, Do not despise prophecies. The actual wording in the Greek means this, don't count them as just common, just ordinary, just not necessary stuff. Don't count it that way. Don't despise prophecies. If you see these things as not being very valuable, not very very helpful, then you can come to a place and you will, what the Word of God says, despise prophecy. Don't despise it. Father God, I thank you for when people speak a word of prophecy into my life. I look forward to the opportunities for me to speak words of prophecy and others. As we continue to do these praise reports in the morning, make this part of it. I want you guys to be thinking of words of prophecies that you can be sharing with, with other people. 
And if you have a word of prophecy for somebody in your family and you share it with them, don't, can't, this, well, nobody cares about that. I mean, it's just in my family. No. Did it help you? Did it help them? Did it grow you? It's good. God can use you to minister to family members. He can use you to, to minister to people that are strangers. But as you do, as you seek after God, God, this week I want you to work through me through prophecy, to speak exhortation, to speak edification, to speak comfort. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to find ways to speak into someone's life and build them up. Now, don't sit around there and think, well, yeah, people need to do this for me. No, think of who you can do it for. Because if you want to receive stuff like that, you got to sow it. Get out there. Father God, use me in this area. And it may be on a low level. Maybe it didn't take a whole lot of faith, but you still, you stepped out of it. <coughs> Rejoice in it. It is good. You operated in the gift of prophecy. You were blessed. They were blessed. And you grew. And eventually you're going to get to the place where you're going to be speaking more. And you're going to be expecting it more. Pretty soon you're going to get so used to operating this gift that you're going to be walking into Walmart and, well, I got a word for them. Got a word for that one over there. You just start, you can, you can hardly go into Walmart. Father God, I can't go to Walmart today. I'm on time. Because <laughs> you know God will just start pouring stuff out to you and giving, because you know how to tap into it. And you know how to, to hear what God has to say. And you learn how to speak it that it doesn't bring edification to you. It brings edification to them. And then pretty soon you start receiving words for things here in church. And you get them ready. You didn't just get the word. You meditate on it. You mold it. You know where it starts and where it finishes. And God will, God will use you in these areas. See, we all have gifts. We all have things to, to bring about that God wants to use us for. We have experiences that God has taken us through and God wants us to help us take those experiences and use it to share with other people. Well, we have more on this from the Word. But I left you with this question in your, your outline. I'll leave it with you here. Do you look for opportunities? We have ourselves trained a lot of time. How many of you look for the best price of gas? How many are trained that way? You look for the, I know what the gas costs down around my house. Oh, wait a minute. That's five cents cheaper right there. <laughs> we look for these things. I'm looking for it. How many of you go through the circulars on the grocery stores to look for the best buys? Anybody do that? How many people cut out coupons to get the best buys? I don't cut out coupons if you don't cut them out, that's, that's fine. I know some people who cut out coupons and they, they use them on a, I would end up cutting them out and then forgetting them when I get into the store. But there's an intentional looking for something. If, you, if this is going to work in your life, you have to be intentional about it. You have to do it on purpose. I've got to look for these opportunities. And you may have 10 believers in a situation and God's not going to speak to all ten about something to say to this one. He's going to first off find the first person. Can you say this to them? 
And if that person refuses to hear, then it'll go on to a second one. I think it was uh, Brother Keith who was sharing one time that God asked him if he would take care of a need. And he said, absolutely. And he went over and took care of it. And uh, he just for some reason decided to ask God, God, was I the first person you asked? How many of you would ask that of God? <laughs> he asked that. Was that the first person you asked? He said, no, you're about the seventh. <laughs> the other people said, no. He said, but I, he, he made it his goal. I want to be his go-to guy. I want to be the go-to guy. I want the guy he goes to first. That'd be a good position to be in, wouldn't it? Well, I know. I can count on this one. If we give them a word, they're going to share it with this person. But you've got to look for these things. It's not going to hit you up over the head. Same way you look for the gas price, you've got to look for this. You walk into the Walmart, you walk into the situation, you're listening. Father God, do you have something? Because how many people are supposed to prophesy? I forgot. How many did it say? I desire that you all... How many of you are in all? How many alls do we have here? That's a lot of alls. We need to be in this mode where we are, we are looking for this thing because if you are looking for it, you will find it. If you do not look for it, you will not. But get out there and start looking for it. Look for the opportunities. Listen to what God is speaking to you. Understand, it's not going to be long. God doesn't give prophecies in the Word of God that go on for days. You're looking at something that's going to be 30 seconds a minute. Maybe not even that. It does not have to be long. If you get too long, the people will not be able to retain it. You've got to give them what they can hang on to. Give them, give them something short. If you give them something short, you give them 15 seconds worth of stuff that got their attention. More than likely, they say, can I have your phone number? Can we, can we talk again? But if you're there for 10 minutes preaching at them and they lost you after, after 60 seconds, they can't wait to get away from you. They're just looking to get away. They're looking for the break. Don't feel like you've got to over-talk it. Get in there, say what God said, and be done. And then move on. And you will see a great amount of reception because you're speaking what God has to say to them you're tapping into the mind of God. And it will bless them. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you desire to use every person in this room. Some may never have been used in the area of prophecy to speak edification, to speak exhortation, to speak comfort to another. But you desire to use them in that way. Very often when we start in this level of the gifts, we can find that we can be moving into some others. But we need to start. So Father, I pray for each person here that as we go out into the world, as we go out into the people that we rub elbows with, neighbors, friends, people that we work with, people in the grocery store, people in the other stores, wherever it is that we are, we are listening. We will tap into what you would have us to say. We are looking for those opportunities. Because we want to be your servant. Not just someone who's recognized by the people in the church. Glory be to God. With every head bowed, 
you're here today and you say, I am willing to be used by God in the area of prophecy this week. Would you raise your hand up? I am willing to be used in the area of prophecy this week. Father God, you see the hands that are raised. I thank you that this is their confession, their, their declaration, that they will be used by you. They are willing. Remind them throughout the week, are you looking? Are you listening? And it's going to take some boldness for them to step out that first time and speak what they have. Some people may get some doors slammed in their face because what we said hit a little too close to home. But the enemy is going to whisper in our ears, you missed it. Father, I know we can miss it and I know you will correct us if we do. But we need to get ourselves moving in these areas. Develop those ears to hear. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.